thank you for finding me. This is the mop-up for November 16th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. Please like this video so I remain in your feed. Senator Mark Wayne Mullet, uh, Mark Wayne Mullen, the Oklahoma Republican who threatened to punch the head of the Teamsters, Sean O'Brien, while Sean O'Brien was testifying before Bernie Sanders' Health, Education, Labor, and Pension Committee, Senator Mark Wayne Mullet, I mean Mullen, defended his call to violence on Fox News. Mullet, uh, Mullen, Senator Mullen, said his threat of committing an act of violence, quote, reflects Oklahoma values. You mean Oklahoma's good Christian values? Mullen told Sean Hannity that he had to threaten to punch the head of the Teamsters because, quote, if I didn't do that, people back in Oklahoma would be pretty upset with me. Hmm. According to the Commonwealth Fund, 20% of Senator Mullet's, Mullen's constituents in Oklahoma don't have health insurance. Oklahoma has nearly double the mortality rate the rest of the United States has. In other words, people in Oklahoma are twice as likely to die as the rest of this country. Nearly half, half the people who live in Oklahoma have not been able to see a dentist, although I'm sure Senator Mark Wayne Mullen would be more than happy to knock out a bad tooth for you. 60% of children in Oklahoma who have been diagnosed with some sort of mental illness are unable to find treatment, which is why Mark Wayne Mullen's state of Oklahoma ranks dead last in health care. That's according to the Commonwealth Fund. Last. Dead last. Emphasis on the word dead. But Mark Wayne Mullen owes it to his constituents back home in Oklahoma to punch the head of the Teamsters during a committee hearing. Yeah, better to fight this guy in Washington, D.C., because if you fought him in Oklahoma, the two of you would end up bleeding to death waiting for an ambulance to arrive. I know that Senator Mark Wayne Mullen said he's opposed to abortion even in the case of rape and incest. He said that even if his wife's life was endangered, he would still oppose abortion. What a, what a loving husband. According to the Centers for Disease Control, Oklahoma has the seventh highest rate of infant mortality in America. Mr. Anti-Abortion, his state, has the seventh highest infant mortality rate in America, the 13th highest rate of unmarried women giving birth. Oklahoma has the eighth lowest life expectancy in America. How those deep red Republican states' rights policies working out for you down there, Senator Mark Wayne Mullet? If states are the laboratories of democracy, then Oklahoma is a wet market in Wuhan, China. Oklahoma, by every yardstick, compared to the rest of America, is a failure. The 14th highest rate of drug overdoses, and of course, the 12th highest rate of firearms-related deaths. But Mark Wayne Mullen owes it to the people of Oklahoma to punch a teamster. Oklahoma, Senator Mullen, is the eighth poorest state in America. You know, maybe instead of punching a teamster, you should ask one for help. Lawmakers had to be evacuated from the Democratic Party's National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C., when Capitol Police clashed with 150 protesters calling for a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. Among those in the building at the time were House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, House Minority Whip Catherine Clark, and Pete Aguilar, who serves as the number three in the Democratic leadership. D.C. Metropolitan Police, along with Capitol Police, were called to the scene 
after protesters blocked entrances and exits to the building. Six officers had to be treated after they were punched and pepper sprayed. They were pepper sprayed, but according to reporters who were on the scene, those police who were pepper sprayed uh, were pepper sprayed by other police officers. Uh, they forgot to put on their masks. Only one protester was arrested. A new PBS Marist poll shows that since Hamas, since Hamas's October 7th attack, more Americans are starting to believe Israel's response has been excessive. In October, 26% of Americans said Israel's response was too much. But as of mid-November, that number has now risen to 38%, believing Israel's response is excessive. Slate reports that APAC is planning to spend $100 million in next year's congressional elections to target five members of the squad for their criticism of Israel. Cori Bush, Elon Omar, Jamal Bowman, Summer Lee, and Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib is the only Palestinian American serving in Congress. They are all people of color who support all your favorite progressive causes, but they have called for a ceasefire in the war between Hamas and Israel. So APEC is planning to spend $100 million to remove them. The Telegraph in Great Britain is reporting this morning that Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei told Hamas leader Ismail Haniyeh during a face-to-face -face meeting in Tehran earlier this month that he was upset that Hamas had not given Iran a heads up before launching its October 7th massacre, killing 1,200 Israelis and foreign nationals. According to anonymous sources working for Iran and working for Hamas, Iran's supreme leader said he has no intention of getting dragged into a war with Israel. Iran provides Hamas and Gaza, along with Hezbollah and southern Lebanon, weapons, supplies, and money. It is also funding the Houthi rebels fighting a civil war in Yemen, Houthi rebels fired several Iranian missiles at Israel since fighting with Hamas began on October 8th. In the past month, Iranian drones have also critically injured two dozen American soldiers serving in Iraq and Syria. Now, there are reports that Hamas has agreed to release 50 hostages who were taken during the October 7th massacre, they will release 50 hostages in exchange for Israel, agreeing to a three to five day ceasefire that would allow humanitarian aid into Gaza. And Israel would agree to release several Palestinians being held in Israeli prisons. President Biden told reporters on Tuesday that he is working the phones. He's talking with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, while his State Department remains in constant contact with representatives from the nation of Qatar, which serves as back-channel diplomat, diplomats for the Hamas leadership. It is believed that Hamas is holding about 250 hostages, 100 of whom are believed to be women and children. Top Democrats serving on the House Judiciary Committee sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland on Wednesday demanding that the Biden Justice Department prosecute Hamas for its October 7th massacre in Israel. In their letter, the members of the Judiciary Committee pointed out that among those slaughtered were 32 American citizens. The Democratic lawmakers cite several relevant statutes that would make it possible for the American government to criminally prosecute Hamas on behalf of those American citizens. It has been estimated that Hamas has about $500 million given to them by the nation of Qatar. That's the money America and Israel are aware of. 
and it's the money that America is trying to freeze. We have no idea what Hamas holds in untraceable cryptocurrency. On Wednesday, President Biden said there must be a Palestinian state when Israel's war with Hamas ends. I don't know, does it end? I'm not sure this ever ends, but President Biden said when it's over, there has to be a Palestinian state. President Biden said that while he was in San Francisco, where he just wrapped up a meeting with China's head of state, Xi Jinping. President Biden said he and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken have been communicating with Arab leaders all week to figure out a way to establish a two-state solution. But he wasn't willing during the press conference to offer up any specifics. Biden also said Israel's ground assault on Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital revealed that Hamas had, in fact, been using the hospital as a military compound. During the same press conference, Biden was asked if he thought the Chinese leader Xi Jinping was a dictator. And Biden said, yes, absolutely. Earlier this week, we reported on new filings with the SEC, revealing that Donald Trump's social media platform, Truth Social, has lost $70 million since its founding last year. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported that Truth Social's days are numbered. The Post says that Truth Social's traffic has plummeted and is down nearly 25% since last year. Kind of like Trump's rallies, not as heavily attended as they used to be. The false elector scheme hatched by Donald Trump's lawyers to send phony electors to Congress on January 6 is being prosecuted by the Fulton County District Attorney in Georgia, as well as the Attorney General in Michigan. Politico is reporting this morning that in Nevada, the state attorney general, Aaron Ford, a Democrat, is ramping up his investigation into the six phony Trump electors that the Republicans sent to Washington, D.C. on January 6. One of those phony electors who allegedly signed false documents swearing he was legally elected is Nevada's current state Republican chairman, Michael McDonald. Meanwhile, in Arizona, the newly elected Democratic Attorney General is also looking into the phony electors scheme. This will go on possibly for three more years. Harrison Floyd is one of the 19 co-defendants in the Georgia RICO trial, accused of helping Donald Trump run a criminal racket in order to overturn the 2020 presidential election in that state. Floyd is charged with conspiring to intimidate two Fulton County, Georgia election officials and trying to get them to lie and say they stuffed ballots in order to throw the election in favor of Joe Biden. Floyd is black, a former Marine, and was the only one of the 19 co-defendants who was held in that Fulton County jail after he was unable to secure both a bond and an attorney, it took roughly five days for him to finally get the bond and an attorney and get released. Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis reportedly sent a representative to the jail while Floyd first appeared for his arrest to help him understand the process. And she even called an attorney representing Floyd in another January 6th related case. She called his attorney to warn Floyd, that he will end up in jail unless he's prepared to post bond. But Floyd, agitated during his arrest, said he didn't want to spend money on attorneys. He was eventually released on bond. It took about five days. But on Wednesday, the Fulton County District Attorney filed a motion to revoke Floyd's bond and put him back in jail, charging him with using social media to engage in witness intimidation by attacking Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, Gabe Sterling, 
who serves as Chief Operating Officer for the Georgia Secretary of State, and Ruby Freeman, one of the two Fulton County election officials who Harrison Floyd is accused of trying to intimidate into lying and claiming she stuffed ballots for Joe Biden. Meanwhile, in Donald Trump's New York State fraud trial, this is a trial he's already lost most of, lawyers for the former president filed a motion to have it declared a mistrial because he asked them to. There's no reason, there are no grounds for a mistrial, but they're taking orders from Donald Trump. Trump's attorneys cite bias on the part of the presiding judge, Arthur Engeron, and his clerk, who Trump has repeatedly accused of being a Democratic Party operative, hence the gag order. Two gag orders and two fines. Two fifteen it comes to $15,000. He was fined twice, came to $15,000 because he was a trek attacking Judge Engeron's clerk. Meanwhile, there are rumors that Trump's lawyers in that fraud case are putting out feelers to settle with the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, who before the trial was requesting a $250 million fine, but is most likely to ask for considerably more after a review of Donald Trump's books revealed fraud at a level she described as, quote, simply staggering, $3.5 billion, she believes, $3.5 billion in fraud. Judge Arthur Engeron, he's presiding in, in the trial, he's already ruled Trump is guilty of massive fraud. He's already ruled that Trump cheated banks, insurers, and the United States government. The judge has already ordered Trump's New York state companies and properties to be liquidated pending appeal. Last week, prosecutors rested their case against Trump. And this week, the defense tried to make their case, and it's not going well. On Monday, Don Jr. took the stand again, and... He plates the court of public opinion with a PowerPoint presentation. It was described as an elevator pitch. He presented a PowerPoint presentation explaining how great a business the Trump organization truly is. Judge Arthur Engeron literally said the PowerPoint is irrelevant. It will have no bearing on my ruling. But then... He smiled and literally said to Don Jr., go ahead with the PowerPoint. It sounds like it will be entertaining. Amuse us. Let's watch the PowerPoint. As I reported, that's what he said. As I reported on Tuesday's program, Don Jr. and his attorneys prepared this PowerPoint presentation loaded with lies. Lies about how much Trump properties, like 40 Wall Street, Trump Tower, several golf courses, lies about how much they were actually worth. Junior bragged about properties like the Plaza Hotel in New York or the Trump Hotel in Washington, properties that either went bankrupt or Trump had to sell because they were losing money. It was, quite frankly, the worst possible testimony ever in a fraud trial. Donald Trump Jr. essentially committed fraud in his attempt to prove he and his family are not guilty of fraud. I don't know. I know there's an insanity defense. Is there a stupidity defense? Somebody complained that I call Republicans stupid. They asked, why do you keep calling Republicans stupid? Uh, Because they're stupid. They really are. That's why I call them stupid. Things got decidedly worse on Wednesday after Trump's lawyers brought in a defense witness, uh, a witness for the defense. Did not go well. Jason Flemons is a former accountant and fraud enforcer with the Securities and Exchange Commission, and he was brought in to go over the Trump organization's books 
and then testify on behalf of Donald Trump. I think I think that was the arrangement because his testimony sounded more like he was a witness for the prosecution. For example, when Trump's lawyers presented a spreadsheet from 2016, their own witness said he saw a red flag because Trump claimed to have $200 million in liquid cash. Flemons, this is the witness for the defense, the expert witness said he didn't understand how it was possible that Trump was claiming he had $200 million because it's not possible. That cash in the spreadsheet didn't belong to Donald Trump. It belonged to a partnership Trump had created with another real estate company named Vernado. So that $200 million, that cash did not belong to Donald Trump. Yes, it was cash, just not his. There were roughly a dozen red flags that Flemons, the expert witness, spotted while he was on the witness stand. And remember, he's testifying on behalf of Trump. During his testimony, Flemons was presented with 10 years worth of spreadsheets. They were projected onto a screen where Judge Engeron, the entire courtroom, could look at the spreadsheets with him. And the expert witness for Donald Trump proceeded to notice even more red flags, more inconsistencies and discrepancies. According to Business Insider, Flemons pointed out that Trump had, in fact, tripled the actual size of his Trump Tower penthouse, ignored rent-stabilized apartments in his other buildings. He, he claimed rent-stabilized apartments could be rented out at market rates. And then he added his mysterious Trump brand premium on top of the assessed value of all his properties. In other words, say he has a building that is worth $200 million. Of course, there's a loan out on it for like $300 million. So what he does is Trump says, well, there's the Trump brand premium. So it's actually worth $300 million. He has a $100 million because there's the Trump brand premium. Shouldn't it be worth less? Shouldn't that, I mean, if Trump's name is on it, shouldn't it be worth less? Meanwhile, lawyers for Hunter Biden have requested permission to subpoena Donald Trump and his former Attorney General Bill Barr in order to review communications that might indicate that the prosecution of Hunter Biden is politically motivated. You think? Wasn't the first impeachment all about holding up a shipment of weapons to Ukraine until Zelensky agreed to dig up dirt at Hunter Biden? Wasn't that? I think so. The subpoenas, the, uh, Hunter Biden's attorneys are subpoena, trying to subpoena Bill Barr and Donald Trump. They would have to be approved by the judge in this Hunter Biden case in which Hunter has been charged with three counts of violating federal gun laws. Hunter Biden is charged with lying about his drug use while filling out an application to purchase a gun. And this violates a law most Republicans want to overturn because they claim it violates the Second Amendment rights of drug addicts. On Wednesday, Speaker Mike Johnson, who is a creep, met with the three House committee heads who are charged with investigating a possible impeachment of President Biden. So the three committee heads, you have Ways and Means Committee Chair Jason Smith, and uh, he's on this task force to impeach because if you're the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, uh, you're, you, can, you have the subpoena power to get your hands on the Biden family's tax returns. Then there's Oversight Committee Chair James Comer and Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan. Now, Comer is expected to hear closed-door testimony from the president's brother, Jimmy Biden, in the first week of December. And then Hunter Biden is supposed to testify behind closed doors 
before Comer's committee in the second week of December. Then we have our Christmas break. And Johnson, Speaker Johnson, is left with the question, do I impeach the President of the United States in 2024, a presidential year? Well, Trump was impeached in early 2020 over that perfect call to Ukraine. It, it has been said because of the Bill Clinton impeachment that impeachments don't help the party impeaching the president. But Trump ended up losing in 2020. And one has to assume that his impeachment in 2020 played some role in all this. And a million people died because he shit the bed on COVID. But the impeachment hurt him. So what we're hearing as received wisdom right now in Washington, D.C., what people are telling me is this. Johnson doesn't want an impeachment. That's what people are telling me, that he doesn't think it's politically expedient. It doesn't uh, poll well. So to placate the firebrands like uh, uh, Jim Jordan, Speaker Johnson I'm being told, is going through the motions of an impeachment inquiry, even though there's no evidence that Biden did anything wrong. And eventually, he's just going to let it fizzle out. Uh, I believe that until today, and then I thought about it, because everybody has me convinced that there's not going to be an impeachment, because there's no evidence But then on my walk today, I remember that Johnson was the legal point man in the House. He was the one who got nearly 150 Republicans to sign an amicus brief in support of the Texas Attorney General's lawsuit against the state of Pennsylvania to overturn their 2020 presidential election results. It got rejected by the Supreme Court. This happened before January 6th. So Johnson is a world-class election denier, even though... There's not a single shred of evidence to support the claim that the election was stolen. So there's no evidence to impeach Joe Biden. But when did evidence ever stop Mike Johnson? Biden uh, Biden is, I think, going to be impeached in 2024. I think it depends on who wins Iowa and New Hampshire. If Trump is the nominee by February, if it looks like Trump is going to be the nominee by February, I believe Mike Johnson will begin impeachment proceedings in the House in order to draw attention away from Trump's incredibly busy court docket. Trump has four criminal trials next year plus a few civil trials. There's the rape suit, uh, the day of the Iowa caucuses. Biden will be impeached, evidence or no evidence. If Rashida Tlaib can be censured last week, if Adam Schiff could be censured this year by this deranged Republican-controlled House of Representatives, Why wouldn't they go after Joe Biden and impeach him? So I expect now Joe Biden to be impeached. These are not honorable people, the Republicans. If they think impeaching Joe Biden would carve out 50,000 votes for Trump, they're going to impeach him. They're going to impeach Biden. President Biden on Wednesday took exception to a recent speech by Donald Trump in which the former president referred to his liberal Democratic opponents as vermin. Well, you know, anyone who's ever stayed at a Trump hotel and ordered room service knows if there's an expert on vermin, it's Donald Trump. Donald Trump knows his vermin. Vermin was also a term used by Mussolini and Hitler to ostracize, to scapegoat certain segments of their society in order to solidify power. 
Biden said attaching the word vermin to political enemies echoes the speeches of Hitler during the 1930s. It most certainly does. Biden said, quote, in just the last few days, Trump has said if he returns to office, he's going to go after all those who oppose him and wipe out what he called the vermin in America. Biden said it echoes language you heard in Nazi Germany in the in the 30s. Speaking of vermin, West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin announced last week that he won't be seeking another term. On Wednesday, he told NBC News that he's absolutely considering a run for president in 2024 as a third party independent. Manchin explained he's considering a run for president because, quote, I will do anything I can to help my country. Yeah, Joe Manchin, the guy just drips of patriotism. This guy, wow, did so much to help his constituents in West Virginia. They are poorer, unhealthier than they were when he first went to Washington to represent them. But hey, West Virginia, your life expectancy is now three years shorter but Joe Manchin reigned in America's debt-to-GDP ratio. So he really delivered for you and your family, West Virginia. Like I said, polls don't mean anything until they do. It's a fool's errand looking at matchups between Joe Biden and Donald Trump when the election is a year away. But... The Iowa caucuses are in two months, and that's quickly followed by New Hampshire and South Carolina. There has been a consensus materializing that of all the Republican candidates who can beat Donald Trump, only one stands out, Nikki Haley. Her performance in the three debates prove her a cut above the rest, which is not saying much. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, has reportedly met with her, and already Nikki Haley's war chest is flush. She just made a $10 million ad buy for December in Iowa and New Hampshire. Now, never-Trumpers, hope always springs eternal with never-Trumpers. But a new Emerson poll of New Hampshire voters shows Haley blowing past Ron DeSantis and coming in second right behind Donald Trump, who's in first place. Now, get out your calculators, please, because I'm bad at math. This is what I figure. Trump gets 49% in New Hampshire. Okay? He never does above 49%. There's another half to the Republican Party that will not vote for him. Haley comes in second with 18%. Okay, so Trump has more than double what she has. Hang on for a moment, though, okay? Haley, right behind Haley, is Chris Christie with 9%. Ron DeSantis, what is he now, in fourth place? Fading quickly? Is that third? No, uh, Trump, Haley, Chris, yeah, fourth place. He gets 7%. And that leaves 17% going to other candidates like Vivek Ramaswamy. You know, who else is still there? I don't know. So let's do the math, shall we? Because I can't. So do this for me. If you add, there are 17% uh, of new uh, in this poll, 17% are voting for candidates other than Trump, Haley, Christie, and DeSantis. So... Let's add that to Nikki Haley's 18%. And that gets you to 35%. Chris Christie, when he drops out, will support Nikki Haley over Trump. And then that brings her up to 44%. Trump has 49%. She has 44%. Ron DeSantis drops out. And he may not endorse Haley, but... You know, she could get his 7% right there. She beats Trump in New Hampshire, 51% to Trump's 49%. 
Again, that would require all the Republican candidates not to repeat the mistake of 2016 when Trump had his rock-solid base in the primaries, but his cha- there were so many challengers, they diluted any chances of someone else rising to threat level. If you polled most Republicans in 2016 during the primaries, Trump wasn't their favorite. It's just that there were so many candidates, they diluted his opposition. He had a rock-solid base. So there is one more Republican debate before Iowa. It's next month. Now, I think Nikki Haley is a craven imbecile. I'd call her stupid, but I don't want to offend one of my listeners. So I'll just call her incredibly stupid. And uh, because she's so stupid, I think she could end up being the most formidable challenger to Trump. But it would require everyone else except Ramaswamy. Everyone else has to drop out. Ramaswamy would never drop out. Big money is getting behind Nikki Haley. And the media, well, they'll eat her. They love. They're going to love her because she'll give them a horse race. They want Trump to be challenged because it's good for business. Plus, you know, you got New Hampshire, South South Carolina is next after New Hampshire, Hampshire, and Haley used to be governor. So here's the thing about Nikki Haley. She's a fraud, but she has a very conciliatory tone when it comes to abortion. Now, she's against abortion. But she's crafted the only workable message for Republicans when it comes to abortion. She sidesteps it. She focuses on not demonizing people who are pro-choice. It's horseshit. But if you're a Republican, especially a Republican woman, her abortion sidestep works. It works to make her seem more palatable than the other Republicans when it comes to abortion, which, whether Republicans like it or not, abortion will be on the ballot come November. Now, here's a question for my Democrats, people like me who want Biden to get reelected. Who would you like Biden to go up against? Do you want Biden to go up against Trump or Nikki Haley? It's a tough question because the frightened patriot in me thinks, uh, well, I'd rather Nikki Haley get the nomination because Trump is such a danger to our country. But the fact that I don't think Haley is as dangerous as Trump works to her advantage in the general against Biden. Because other people are going to think that as well. In other words, she's tougher to beat than Trump in the November election. Now, I said polling a year, polling on an election that's a year out is meaningless. But according to the real clear averages of national polls, Biden and Trump are neck and neck. They seesaw back and forth. But Biden and Haley, Biden versus Haley, Haley beats Biden by more than three points. Haley beats Biden by more than three points. And in today's electoral topography, that has the potential to become a wave election for the Republicans. Uh, I can't stand her. And I think she's dangerous. She's like Reagan, right? You know, like a a craven puppet. She's young. She's a woman of color. She's an attractive Republican candidate. Uh, She plays with toxic masculinity without coming across as being guilty of it. Nikki Haley, if she can somehow rise above the pack in the next couple of weeks... If she ever gets a chance to go one-on-one with Trump, I I don't know if he'll debate her. I I don't know if he'll debate anybody. He's he's 
deranged. I don't think he can, uh, you know, I talked about his testimony last Monday. He can't control himself. He rambles and he's gotten older. He's not as sharp as he used to be. He's making mistakes over the weekend again. He called Biden Obama. But uh, she could end up being a lot tougher to beat than Trump, especially because of the three, Trump, Biden and her, she's the only one really out there on the campaign trail. Unlike Biden and Trump, she's debating. She's honing that muscle. She's doing retail politics, the kind of retail politics an ex-president or a current president can't be bothered to do. She has her ear to the ground. She's picking up the subtle tricks. You can only learn by getting up every morning at 5 a.m. and campaigning until midnight. Now, all this, of course, is academic, unless DeSantis, Christie, and the rest of the Republican candidates coalesce and throw their support behind her. And again, Ramaswamy, he's never dropping out. He's going to stay until the bitter end to fight her. But that's good because he would serve as a surrogate for Trump. You know, he, he would hone her debating skills if and when she ever gets to debate Donald Trump. Uh, Ramaswamy, you know, by, by the time New Hampshire rolls around, he'll be polling at zero. And uh, but nobody except for Chris Christie, has the spine to drop out and say, for the good of this country, for the good of my party, I'm throwing all my support behind Nikki Haley because they're terrified of Donald Trump. He runs a criminal racket. Pay attention to the trial, the RICO trial in Fulton County. Madam D.A. isn't fooling around when she called it a criminal racket. For example, the creep, Mike Johnson. Show me a principled conservative like Mike Johnson who has taken Christ into his heart and I'll show you a Trump supporter. The New York Times reports that back in 2015, then Louisiana state legislator, Mike Johnson, a self-righteous prick, had a decidedly different take on Donald Trump's morals and suitability for higher office. This is what Speaker Johnson said back in 2015. Quote, the thing about Donald Trump is that he lacks the character and the moral center we desperately need again in the White House. F you. He's saying Obama, this is 2015. He's saying Obama lacked character and a moral center. Right? Trump lacks the character and the moral center we desperately need again. You know, I have my troubles with Obama. But the man had a moral center and character. I'm sorry. Compared to the rest of these candidates and Bernie, Bernie, and maybe Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Mike Johnson says back in 2015, I'm afraid Trump would break more things than he fixes. He's a hothead by nature, and that is a dangerous trait to have and a commander-in-chief. I just don't think he has the demeanor to be president. Speaker Johnson, back in 2015, continues. This is back when he's a state legislator, fighting abortion. His wife and he are doing a podcast where she's talking about gay marriage leading to bestiality. He says back in 2015, what bothered me most was watching the face of my exceptional 10-year-old son, Jack, at one point when he looked over at me with a sort of confused disappointment as the leader of all polls, Donald Trump, boasted about calling a woman a fat pig. 
Yeah. But then suddenly Donald Trump becomes president and Mike Johnson, the creep, becomes Donald Trump's election denial point man. Flying around the country on Air Force One, Johnson sings a different song. Quote, when I got to know him personally, shortly after we both arrived in Washington in 2017, I grew to appreciate the person that he is and the qualities about him that made him the extraordinary president that he was. This is Mike Christy Johnson talking about Donald Trump's extraordinary qualities. Show me a conservative. Show me a man with conservative principles who's taken Christ into his heart. And I'll show you a man who's completely full of shit. I'll show you Speaker Mike Johnson flying around on Air Force One, tempted by all the riches. He stupidly, this backwater hick from Louisiana thinks Donald Trump actually has. This is why people from New York are better than people from Louisiana. We, we, we see through Donald Trump. This is why a backwater hick like Mike Johnson, this creepy hick who's like got like watching his son's pornography. Did you read about that? He, he and his son keep track of their, their porno habits. Uh, you know, I don't have to apologize for, for being from New York City. I'm so sick of these candidates going, you know, Bourchet yesterday saying, I, you know, where I come from in East Tennessee, you look a man in the eye and you, and uh, Mark Wayne Mullet, you know, back in Oklahoma, I have to tell my, like, you should, like, you're talking to me, I'm from New York City. There's more culture in, 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 on my windowsill inside the dead pigeon than they have in that entire state. Lincoln Center, the Met, MoMA, the Brooklyn Museum, NYU, Boracua College. I'm not going to apologize being from New York. Are you kidding me? Compared to this backwater hypocrite, this hick from Louisiana? I don't give a shit what he thinks. It's stupid people like this guy who's our speaker or, or Mark Wayne Mullet who are destroying this country and, and people from New York have to, or people from California. You know, dial it back. Don't come across as an urbane blue coast, blue, blue state coastal intellectual. No, no, just, you know, show this piece of shit respect instead. No, I'm not going to. I don't have to. He's inferior. And you know who agrees with me? Every reader who lives in Louisiana. Uh, sorry about that. All right, what was I talking about? Oh, as for Trump's lies about the 2020 election being... And they get to... Oklahoma gets two senators... As for Trump's lies about the 2020 election being stolen from him, Johnson says, quote, I've talked to him personally about it. He just felt like he was cheated in that election. And I think that's a core conviction of his. And when I say we should take him at his word on that, I mean, he believes it. Yeah. Psychopaths believe a lot of things. Okay. Charles Manson thought clouds were raining fire. We should take his word at it. We should take Charles Manson's word on that. We should believe him and not convict. New reports coming out of NPR and Rolling Stone magazine say that the creep, Speaker Mike Johnson, 
belongs to a right-wing Christian organization that wants to eliminate separation of church and state while installing what amounts to an anti-democratic Christian theocracy here in the United States. But you know what? Let me dial back my blue state, East Coast, uh, New York arrogance. Let me apologize for, for being from uh, New York. People from Massachusetts with the highest literacy rate in America, they should apologize to people like Mike Johnson, people from Illinois, people from Washington State, from Oregon, from, from uh, California. Uh, uh, um, uh, that's about it. <laughs> we should, you know, we should bend over backwards so we don't intimidate people like Mike Johnson. We don't want to insult him. I'm not running for office. I don't need votes. F this guy. He's destroying this country because he's so busy judging others. Uh, the people who are truly superior intellectuals are, are too chicken shit to look him in the eye and tell him he's stupid. He's stupid. Among the several flags outside the new speaker's office is an appeal to heaven flag. It represents the new apost apostolic, the new apostolic reformation, which calls upon its followers to seize the commanding heights of society by taking over politics, government, media, schools and the arts, and then guiding all these institutions towards biblical teachings, their version of biblical teachings. Uh, this is one of the flags, along with the Confederate flag, that was carried into the Capitol on January 6th by the insurrectionists. But let's respect their beliefs as well, right? The people carrying the Confederate flag, we should respect their beliefs and not make them feel inferior. Uh, this group, uh, the New Apostolic Reformation, their group is led by a Christian pastor named Dutch Sheets. That's a Dutch Sheets. Uh, okay. And uh, I know it's not cotton sheets. Uh, and there's probably, I think that's what they wear at their rallies. I think white Dutch sheets. Well, anyway, NPR reports that some believe no other religious figure had a bigger hold over the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. They were, so the Speaker of the House has in front of his office the new Apostolic Reformation Appeal to Heaven flag, which some of the insurrectionists carried into the Capitol on January 6th, looking, breaking into the office he currently holds, the Speaker's office, looking to hang Nancy Pelosi. And that's who this creep Mike Johnson worships with, Dutch Sheets, uh, who is the religious figure uh, behind the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. But I'll be apologetic around these people and, and not play up how superior Democrats people who vote for Biden are to them. Dutch Sheets uh, preaches what is called the Seven Mountain Mandate, in which society has seven mountains that Christians should control. Those seven mountains are business, education, entertainment, family, government, media, and religion. I think my people are supposed to control all those mountains. I think you got that wrong, Dutch. Mike Johnson represents Louisiana. So does this Republican congressman, Clay Higgins. He's a former 
uh, ultra-right-wing police officer who rose to political prominence in Louisiana after he drew criticism for violating the constitutional rights of alleged gang members on his TV show. Yeah, he was a cop in Louisiana. He became famous. They just used to follow him around with a GoPro arresting people of color and big entertainment in Louisiana. Here in Manhattan, we have Lincoln Center in Louisiana. Certain parts of Louisiana, they like to watch this cretin drive around violating the constitutional rights of black people. Little different values. I'm not talking about New Orleans. Uh, Well, anyway, the head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, testified before the House Homeland Security Committee where Congressman Clay Higgins presented evidence that January 6th was a false flag operation and that the people who stormed the Capitol were actually FBI agents dressed like MAGA. Here is a uh, visually disturbed FBI director, Christopher Wray, dealing with the emotionally disturbed Congressman Clay Higgins. If you are asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources and or agents, the answer is emphatically You're saying no? No. You're saying no? Not violence orchestrated by FBI sources or agents. Are you familiar with, with, you know what a ghost vehicle is? Director, director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? A ghost bus? Ghost bus. I'm not sure I've used that term before. Okay. It's pretty common in, in law enforcement. It's a, it's a vehicle that's that's used for secret purposes. It's painted over. These two buses in the middle here, they were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, 0500. I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. Mr. Chairman. These two buses are painted completely white. Point of order. <laughs> Point of order. This is uh, Clay Higgins, Louisiana congressman, former police officer in Louisiana, talking to the head of the FBI, uh, presenting evidence that the Capitol was stormed on January 6th by FBI agents dressed like MAGA supporters. Well, the chairman of the committee tried to cut Clay Higgins' Off, but not before the Louisiana congressman snuck in a not so veiled threat against FBI Director Christopher Ray's physical safety. No, no I, I think I think your time is expired. Mr. I note that that other members across the aisle have been been granted time, and I object well, to my to my question being well, being closed. This is a very significant hearing, Mr. Chairman, and these buses are nefarious in nature and were filled with FBI informants dressed as Trump supporters you, and you, deployed you, onto our Capitol on January 6th. Yeah. Your day is your, coming, Mr. Your point, Mr. Uh, Higgins. Your day is coming. Dressed like Trump supporters. What, you'd knock out five teeth and gain 200 pounds? I don't think the FBI can move that quickly. So thank you, Congressman Clay Higgins from Louisiana. Stupid. Stupid and dangerous. Then it was Marjorie Taylor Taylor Greene's turn. As I've said, fascism has its charms if the right people are in charge. The problem is when you have fascism, it's Clay Higgins and Marjorie Taylor Greene who... uh, run the legislative branches. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is uh, getting angrier and angrier. Uh, You know, she bet the wrong horse. She thought Kevin McCarthy was there to stay. She thought he was going to be speaker, and she thought she had it made. But now that he's gone, she's being marginalized. Johnson doesn't want any part of her. She's 
she's associated with Kevin McCarthy. She got thrown out of the Freedom Caucus, right? Uh, so she's being marginalized, but she's a malignant narcissist. And as all malignant narcissists say, I will be heard, right? Every malignant narcissist says, you will hear what I have to say. So also testifying before the House Homeland Security Committee on Wednesday was Alejandro Mayorkas. So you had the head of Homeland Security and the head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, and Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, sits on this committee. That's what Kevin McCarthy left behind. That's his legacy. He put her on Homeland Security, House Oversight, right? Thank you. And uh, during uh, Alejandro Mayorkas' testimony, Marjorie Taylor Greene lashed out at her fellow Republicans because on Monday they voted to table her articles of impeachment calling for the removal of Alejandro Mayorkas. So during his testimony, Marjorie Taylor Greene angrily ordered Mayorkas to resign because his impeachment doesn't appear to be coming anytime soon. Uh, then she accused Mayorkas of allowing undocumented migrants into the country and repeated the lie that these migrants are bringing fentanyl into the country. And that is a lie. And even the right-wing think tank the Cato Institute, funded by the oil companies, calls this a lie. The Cato Institute says nearly all the fentanyl coming into America is brought in at legal checkpoints, usually by American citizens, not migrants seeking asylum from Central American regimes. But Ron DeSantis says he... He says, I, when I'm president, if there's evidence these migrants are carrying fentanyl in a, in a backpack, I'm going to order the, the Border Patrol to shoot to kill, and the place erupts during the debates. But there's no fentanyl in their backpacks. Just lunchables and water. But meanwhile, in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott signed into law a new bill making it a crime to sneak into Texas illegally from another country. The bill also gives Abbott the unilateral power to deport any migrants his state patrol officers catch. So he's just going to start deporting people. And uh, this law will eventually make its way to the Supreme Court and the court is going to have to decide whether or not states like Texas have the jurisdiction to determine who is a United States citizen and who isn't. I know what the Constitution says about this, but Donald Trump appointed three Supreme Court justices. Uh, by the way, in his speech on Tuesday where he called Donald Trump out for using language that we haven't heard since the Nazis, President Biden took exception to Trump talking about the immigration problem by warning migrants are, quote, poisoning the blood of America. President Biden accused Trump once again of echoing the same phrases used in Nazi Germany. I mean, it really is... It shouldn't be surprising. It's so unoriginal that Trump is just stealing Joseph Goebbels' language and, and accusing migrants of poisoning the blood of America. Uh, if this were a character in a movie, you'd say two on the nose. Dial it back. Let's finish up with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, here she is screaming at the FBI director, Christopher Wray, because he uh, 
is not investigating Congressman Rashida Tlaib's ties to Hamas. I would hope to God that Intifada and Jihad and terrorists in our very country would be something that you would prioritize instead of a three-hour event that happened at the Capitol nearly four years ago, Mr. Ray. I yield back my time, Mr. Chairman. A three-hour event that happened nearly four years ago in the Capitol. What was, what happened? Just a three-hour event? Uh, what? Uh, you uh, going to the DNC and the RNC with some uh, suspicious packages? Is that the event you're talking about? Or you giving tours to January Sixers? On January 5th? Is that what you're... I don't know what you're talking about. A three-hour event. I, 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 a Bruce Springsteen concert? I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Maybe I need some time off because uh, these people are really sickening me. They're really grotesque, and they're in charge. Maybe I should take a couple of days off. This creep, Mike Johnson, judging others. Where does he get off judging others when he's so lacking in virtue? Unbelievable. Thank you for listening to me. Uh, I got a little angry today. Um, share it. Uh, maybe not. Uh, like it. Maybe not. Subscribe to this channel, please. Subscribe to my newsletter. Um, what else? Thank you to the mods in the in the chat room, and of course, leave leave uh, your comments. As you can tell, I I read the comments. Somebody said, "Don't call them stupid. You're sinking to their level." Hmm. Some people need to be told they're stupid, I think, especially when they're stupid. All right, maybe I need a week off. Thank you, everybody.